I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the desert we tell. And it's episode 148. Yes, it is. 148. 148. How very exciting. So close to 150. Very nearly 150. Yeah, very That's close. a bit mad. Ooh, a very close to season four. That's even madder. Who <laughs> would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? How are you, Nick? I'm all right. Yeah, all right. Sing all along. Right. Sing along. Moving on. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on rapidly. It's been a week, hasn't it's it? Been a, it's, been a, it's been a week. It is. We're not going to get into the no, week. We're not, oh, no, we're not going to get into it. Uh, I will say I'm in tremendous pain because um, my back seized up again. So so if I scream suddenly during this uh, podcast, because that's what we're doing, mm. then it's not because of the horror. Not because of the horror. I'll, 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 I'll work it in. Okay, I'll good, work good, good. It Just time it, time it well. Any poisonings this week? Uh, ooh, not yet. Not yet. You're, you're building up a I'm list. Build, I really am. There's, oh, there's there a is. list going. <laughs> <laughs> soon, people. Soon. Soon. Soon there'll be news from so- Canterbury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and my back is poisoning yeah. the rest of my rest body. Of- Speaking of mysterious grievances that we all have on this show, I think it is time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. Thank you very much for joining us, Miss Jones. Miss Jones, you are a wonder, you're a marvel. Thank you to everyone who has joined us on Patreon and people who have upgraded as well to the Cyanide Connoisseurs and been enjoying the delights of the case files of PC Morris. It was fun this month. It was oh, they're always mad. The people laughing. There there is just one line which will give you a hint and also no hint whatsoever as to what we were talking about, going someone just wrote I'm dying over the pants-eating breathalyzer test. Yes, it took me a while to realize that one. That, that, oh, yes. <laughs> took me a while to work out what was going on during the story. <laughs> but yes, that That's is the madness. Jolly fun. That the cyanide connoisseurs get from the PC Morris files every single month, as well as a little gift packs, a new batch coming out very soon. Well, Nick, are you ready? Oh, yes. To drink cocktails and talk about poison. Oh, yes. I think it's important I keep drinking. I think it's probably very wise. There is something pinging right now in my <laughs> lower lumbar, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> or we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. I think it's important we carry on with the drinking. 
We'll go with the first one. Hooray, hooray, hooray. It is Nick's story this week, and we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, and it will flavor our cocktail of the week. Nick's story. Mm. Nick's pick. Yes. And the secret ingredient is... Is New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Nice. Now, we've, we've, we've danced in New Orleans before. We've done, had a few. Yeah. yeah, we've done a few. We've done a few. So we've had um, some of the classic cocktails we've associated done, we've, there. We've Sazeract it. Oh, we did. Oh, that was a uh, That's day. one of the ultimate, ultimate New Orleans cocktails. Mm, we, did a, we did a variant on a Sazerac as well. The multiple things. Chocolatey things. We did things. a chocolate, chocolatey Sazerac. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But New Orleans, I, I'm yeah. wondering what is left. Well... This is a classic, an absolute classic. Okay. Classic, 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 classic. More classic than the first cocktail? Yeah, pretty ever much. Made? Yeah, oh, more okay. classic. And also, reportedly, one of the most difficult cocktails to make. <laughs> and I'm really not sure why I've given myself this to do, but I really want to try and make it. So we are making a Ramos Gin Fizz. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't I know what that is. I will explain more later. <laughs> <laughs> I... We should have filmed this one because it's hilarious with me being crippled. But also the look on Nick's face, the various difficulties he's experiencing, but also just the the look of just, I've done this to myself. Why have, and I, done, I, why have I done this? I hate me. Yeah, absolutely. I've been watching YouTube videos all week and people going, oh, it's taken me 400 attempts to get this right. And <laughs> I've never made one before in my life. <laughs> and you chose this week. And I chose this week. You chose this week to do it. Yeah. When you don't have enough stress going on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I thought, let's make things more painful. <laughs> I love it. I am in need of something. So I think it is high time for us to sashay into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm so we'll see you in a minute we'll see you in a bit and we're back hello well nick <laughs> what an adventure that what was. an adventure that was i've been sitting here for three hours <laughs> it's, alone it's, i told you it was a complicated one it was i i was nick just shut the door and just said amuse yourself like playing with my phone and then it was like nick's sh- shaking and then I was like, there's been a good five minutes has gone <laughs> by and Nick is still he's shaking. He's still shaking. And he's still shaking. you have presented me with a, is it a highball? Is this a highball it, glass? It is a highball glass, yes, indeed. But with a a concoction of, of creamy whitiness, but then with a big foamy head that, that towers <laughs> above the glass. And that's one thing I wasn't sure he was going to do. Hey. <laughs> actually get it to go. It's really to, good. To go above the glass. It's, I'm, I'm fascinated. I got slightly carried away and it's gone slightly lopsided. Yeah, you try to do more yeah, and it's now like, sort of a leaning tower of pieces. Should, should have left it. Lovely. And I got the big one with the straw in yeah. it and I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> right. It um, looks amazing. So yeah, this, this is the Ramos Gin Fizz. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah, almost, it's very white. Huh? Yeah. It's very pure white, but you can see the different layers in it. Mm. But okay. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to try some of the foaminess. Oh, oh, that's tart. Oh, that's tart and lovely. Mm. Oh, 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 I've only just had some of the foam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, should we dive in? Yeah. All right, Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. Ooh. Oh, that's delicious. <laughs> that's quite good. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. The flavours, Nick. The flavours. <laughs> so many flavours. Flavour town. layers of flavours. And this is great because it's kind of like a snack. So I'm like, eh. Yeah. It's like a 99. <laughs> and it's also very good to get on your nose as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I'm adorable. No, no, oh, no, no, I don't like that. Um, it's difficult to drink. <laughs> it is difficult to drink. Because you've got this big foamy head. 
and then you've got the liquid underneath. But I'm getting I'm getting citrus. Mm. I'm getting a sweetness, a creaminess. Mm. Um, not not much alcohol, which I'm worried about. <laughs> Which means it's a dangerous one. This is incredible, and well, kudos, kudos to I'm, you. I'm, 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 I'm pleased how that one came out. Actually, you, you did it. You did yeah, it. Yeah, I did it. And it's um, yeah. So this is an absolute classic. This goes back to 1888. Seriously, this was yep. This was first made by Henry Ramos um at his bar in New Orleans in 1888. Mm-hmm. This one, so an absolute classic. Okay, so. It doesn't seem like the easiest of drinks to make. But it's it's. A, it's am I to guess what's permission. in it? Go for it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, gin. There's gin in it. So it's a fizz. Yeah. Uh, egg white. Yep. Egg white. So with the, I'm doing yeah. well. You're doing well so far. Lemon. Lemon. Lemon way. Yep. Um, okay. So with the fizz though, is it is it champagne? It's not. No. It's sparkling water. It's soda water. Soda water. Yep. Okay. Sugar. Yeah, there's a bit of sugar in there. Yeah, a bit of sugar. But, but what, what what else? You have got lime. There's lemon and lime. Oh, nice. In there for citrus. There is um, heavy cream, double cream. Oh, oh, okay. Nice. In there as well. And a little bit of um, orange blossom water. You took it from your laundry room. Which I actually your... had in the cupboard. Oh, you would. You bloody <laughs> well would, wouldn't you? Oh, I'm sure I should have said cream because it obviously it has a creaminess yeah. to it. But we so rarely use cream. Well, indeed. Yeah. Um. So And gin, so gin is the only alcohol in this. So it's not a particularly strong one, Ooh. but it's one I have wanted to try for a while, just because it is so bizarre yeah. to make. <laughs> but what makes it so bizarre to make? Well, it's, it's so not bizarre. Is... It's just the very, it's just very labour intensive to make. Okay. So yeah, so you've got your gin, lemon juice, lime juice, sugar syrup, egg white, cream, orange blossom, all shaken up, and it needs a long, 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 long shake to it. So you shake it with your ice, you strain out the ice, and then you shake it without the ice. Yeah. On that one. So this time, I mean, I shook that. Tried to go for about five minutes, and yeah. that's a long time shaking. That was a long time. <laughs> it's, it's bloody exhausting. And then you strain your ice out, and then you shake it again for a few minutes without the ice. Bloody hell. Then you pour it into your glasses. Then you have to put those your glasses in the fridge because then it has to set. So that then, Ooh. so then it sort of it creates those layers. So when you pour it, it's all emulsified. Yeah. In, but when you leave it for about three, four minutes or so in the fridge, it then forms the layers mm-hmm. where you have your foamy top bit and your liquid underneath. And once you've done that, you can poke a little hole in the top of the foam and you sort of funnel soda water down the centre, okay. which, which then lifts the foamy bit up and sort of makes it stick out from a top, <laughs> from above the glass. And if you if you shake it enough, it will hold its form and go up like a, mm. like a souffle. If you haven't, then it will just go... Oh, right, um, just flop over the side. Just, just flop over the side. But this, this one worked, but it is just very labour intensive. The original mm. recipe, because um, this this proved to be an absolutely huge hit in yeah. New Orleans at the time. It was massive. He had twenty barmen <laughs> making just making this drink. Wow! And each one, he said, you had to shake for twelve minutes. Each drink was shaken for twelve minutes, and they actually had rows of barmen doing like chain gangs. Or he would some one would shake one for yeah. for a couple of minutes, and then it will pass to the next one who would shake it for another couple of minutes, and then passed so they didn't all get entirely knackered just doing oh one for twelve God. minutes. Um, and they ended up having sort of shaker boys who were literally young lads nice. who, who were just there to, to shake, 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 shake cocktails. So you'd, your barman would pour your ingredients and all your quantities and stuff like that, and then hand it off to a, a shaker boy who would just <laughs> whose job it was to stand there and shake cocktails for twelve hours a day. I like the efficiency um, <laughs> behind that. That's quite good. I mean, but you, twelve you, minutes to shake a cocktail, I mean, that's a bloody long time. I guess if you it's pass exhausting. it along the line and you're making enough that it's your signature. <sighs> But drink. I mean that's that's ended up that's been all being the only thing they made was just the the Ramos gin for that. I mean, People came delicious. in for that drink. 
So, yeah. Well, that is amazing. It's good to have a classic. Yeah, no, I'm pleased with that. Yeah. Well done, Nick. Hurrah for me. <laughs> if you failed, this would all be very, very sad. It would be very sad. If it, oh, after mm. all of that, you know, no. Yes, well, <laughs> with our Ramos gin fizzes. Fizzes. Firmly in hand, fizzing away. <laughs> as we stroll down the streets of New Orleans. Yes, indeed. It's time for a story. It's certainly time for a story. Hooray! Absolutely. So in the world of true crime, there are sort of trio of women who are portrayed as as, as a sort of axis of evil, really. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. The, the worst of the worst. The most terrifying women in history. Um, Blood Countess, Elizabeth indeed. Bathory, we've covered her already. The Russian sadist, Dalia Sochkova. We've covered her. And today I have the third for you. The okay. third of the trio of horror. This is the story of Madame Delphine Lalaurie. <gasps> Yay! The monster of Royal Street. Marvellous. <laughs> oh, it has been a while. We have been waiting for Delphine. So Delphine Lalaurie has been made even more famous in recent years by her appearance in American Horror Story. Yes, she um, has. <laughs> so with absolutely terrifying and amazing Kathy Bates. But the lines between sort of fact and fiction are more blurred than in any other case I've researched. Okay. At all. There is no doubt that she was a not a nice woman. But are all the stories that I have that have been attributed to her actually true? Is she as bad as she is portrayed to be? Yes. No. <laughs> so, well, well, we'll start out with what we do know for certain. So Delphine Lallory was born Marie Delphine McCarty oh. um, on the 19th of March, 1787. Now, she was one of five children to Louis and Marie-Jean McCarty. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the McCarty line was already well established in Louisiana. Uh, it was Delphine's grandparents who had originally come across from Europe around 1730-ish or so. Now, the family is very well established. They're very wealthy. They're very influential. Her uncle, Esteban Rodriguez Miro, was governor of the colony at, mm-hmm. at the time. One of her cousins went on to become mayor of New Orleans and the others are merchants and army officers and all sorts of fancy, important and rich people. Fancy. Fancy. Just fancy. Just think fancy. <laughs> I shall. And I will. <laughs> so Delphine and her siblings have an incredibly privileged upbringing, as you might imagine. Her family is involved in property, agriculture and, of course, slavery. Um, <laughs> this is the late 18th century... This is the absolute peak of the Atlantic slave trade, yeah. really, around this sort of time. Let's just take it as red. It, well, indeed. It, it, it flew back then. It, absolutely. It really it was, did. It was fine. It's not, but it was. At the time, it would have been entirely normal, as Delphine grew up with slaves around the house, on all her family's plantations and farms and things like that. It was an entirely common place. However, a few years prior to Delphine's birth, um, one of her other uncles had actually been killed during uh, a revolt at his plantation. Ooh, there had okay. been an uprising um, by the slave population, and yeah, they had killed the master. Um, so it's quite likely that, especially in the uh, in the McCarty household, that it was drilled into all the children how important it was to discipline wayward slaves. Otherwise, mm. they're going to get you like they got your uncle. You need to be strict. You need to be firm. You have to be watchful for any signs of disquiet or disloyalty. And it was really drilled in from a young age. Okay. 
Now, as Delphine grew, she was considered quite, quite the beauty. Um, and her parents have a queue of suitors lining up outside the door for her hand. Oh, nice. Okay. Now, the lucky groom chosen for Delphine was Don Ramon de Lopez y Anguillo. Nice. Yeah. Good name. Uh, a good very good name. Very he just good said name. his name when he turned up and they went, you're hired. You're hired. Absolutely. Like, I'm not applying for a job. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It's a job to deal with her. Now, he is a, a senior Spanish officer. You don't say. Yep. Surprisingly. And they think, oh yes, he's very fancy. And the pair are married in 1800. Now, Delphine is 14 at the time. Well, as was the style of the time. As was the style, as of, was the the style time. of the time. It was yeah. entirely common mm. to be married at such an age. But then not long after the marriage, Don Ramon is uh, named as Consul General of Louisiana. So he wow. has now the, the highest Bloody most... Hell. Yeah, exactly. He is the top dog. And Delphine is sort of thrust. She's suddenly one of the most powerful women in the, in the entire <laughs> state because of who her husband is. You have to look back on, you know, the, the horror of the fact that, you know, oh yeah, you were 14 when you were married off. Okay, that happened. And then suddenly you're the fanciest woman in, in the whole of Louisiana and you're yeah. like, you're 15. You're just like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I do not have any training for this no. whatsoever. But, Are there boys? <laughs> but she can do what the hell she likes. In 1804, now this is off, just after the Louisiana Purchase, where the United States purchases around 800,000 square miles of territory from the French Republic. Don Ramon, he actually receives a letter from the royal court asking him to return to Spain. Ooh. He has now been given a position at court instead. There's, there's not much going on in Louisiana anymore. Come back to court. We've got much more important and fancy things for you to be doing. So in 1805, Don Ramon and a very pregnant Delphine leave to go return to Spain. Okay. On their way back, they stop in Havana, Cuba, and Don Ramon is taken horrendously ill. He never recovers from his illness, and he dies in Havana. And this is only days before the birth of their daughter, um, who is then named Marie Borgia Delphine Lopez de Inguila de la Calendaria. That's a lot. That's a lot of names. What's her actual name? It's like what, what do they call her? They call they call her Borgita. Borgita. Because um, her her grandmother was mm. was Borgia. Was so Borgia. this is like little Borgia. She now plays no part in the story whatsoever. <laughs> so you can forget all about her. I like that when we have kids and it's we have kids in the story. It's just like and there were some and, and there were some. They went away. Yeah. Now it's the death of her husband where really some of the legends begin for Delphine. At this point, she is 18 years old, and writers are, have been sort of keen to give evidence and prove her, her lifelong wickedness, that this was in her from a child. So her, her husband hasn't died. He had been murdered. She had killed her husband. She didn't want to go and live in Spain, poisoned him to be free. Hey. There is no evidence for this whatsoever. <laughs> um, it's generally believed that, yeah, Don Ramon fell ill, had a heart attack, died. Yeah. Either way, her husband is dead, and she has no reason to continue the voyage to Spain, so she returns to New Orleans with her little daughter, and she goes to live with her parents. In 1808, the widow Delphine marries a second time, this time to Jean Blanc. And now he is one of the wealthiest men in the region. He is a banker, he's a merchant, he's involved in the state legislature. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a word I can never say. Oh, I can't say it either, but I like that, that version of it. Can we just make that um, that yeah, word? Yeah, I'm leaving that Legis in. Legis yes, um, it's very long. Yeah, he is also rumoured, though, to have some underhand dealings in illegal slave trade. Oh. Um, and has ties to the pirates Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Oh, um, oh, who nice. operate in the Gulf of Mexico, sort of smuggling and things like yeah. that. So yeah, he's in there with some some shady characters uh, as well. Monsieur Blanc is not so lily white, <laughs> it seems. 
<laughs> wasted on this podcast. Really absolutely wasted. great in court. <laughs> the wealthy Jean Blanc, he buys his new bride a mansion on Royal Street in the French Quarter. Now, the height of fashionably lovely places. And this is where Delphine is going to entertain and do all the things that members of fancy high society do. Whatever that is, that she's going to do them all. Greet people. Yeah, greet people. Yes, send send calling cards and arrange flowers and such things. And and fan yourself. And beat slaves. Less of that. Arrange your gloves. You arrange your gloves, exactly. You arrange your gloves and you fan yourself and you hand out calling cards and then you go home and, and, and kick people who don't yeah. deserve it. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Now, the, the couple go on to have four children. You've got Marie-Louise Pauline, Louise-Marie Laure, Marie-Louise Jean, and Jean-Pierre Pauline, which I'm sure didn't get confusing in no. the slightest <laughs> <laughs> about which one is which. But again, they know play no part in the story, so you can forget to all that. Oh, oh good. Well, I'm glad you named them. <laughs> Just because it was silly. Like, Why are you all named the same thing? <laughs> it's really confusing. Is that, that could be a very lazy approach to parenting. Going, You're Marie-Louise Louise, Marie, fuck off. Just like Marie Louise one, Marie Louise two, Marie Louise three. (laughs) And you're number four. Just number four. Can't even bother Marie Louise, just number four. Yet again, things are destined not to last. After eight years of marriage, Jean Blanc dies. Now again, there is no anything. There, well, there is no evidence of anything untoward here, but of course, later writers make suggestions of murder and poison and all sorts of horrendous goings on oh. to get rid of the rich husband. I'm sure to quote those writers, there may be no evidence of something going wrong, <laughs> but is there any evidence of it not? Exactly, not going wrong. Yes, and so there's ev- there's no evidence that she didn't kill him. Exactly, <laughs> so, she's not not looking to. It's all very true. <laughs> you can't prove that that thing didn't mm. happen even though it didn't yeah there are contemporary reports that the couple are actually quite happy they live in a fancy mansion they throw grand parties they've got lovely children they've got piles of cash lying around the place i mean, I mean yeah exactly what's not to like really there's no hardship there now delphine she is a widow once more um and after a suitable period of mourning um she continues to throw her lavish parties she is now an exceedingly wealthy woman She's got inheritances from two very rich husbands and her her mother and father who have also since passed and have left her huge inheritances. She is set for like 10 lifetimes. She's nice. She's loaded. Are the suitors lining up by well, any chance? She I means she at the moment it looks like she's just having a jolly time. Um, she remains a um, two times widower. Widow? I don't know. She remains a widow. Yes, widowed twice. <laughs> I don't think there's a rank. Do you not have it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, there we go. That's why I bring it up. <laughs> well, there's the black widow kind of thing. <laughs> like, if the, both of them died, maybe you've killed them. There's <laughs> so, not a ranking on widow. You don't get no. w- level one Level one, widow. like one bar on the shoulder, level two, <laughs> level two, two bars. Yeah. Well, you got three husbands Three, you died. get a fancy hat. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four, you get a car. Yeah. Exactly. It's just got widow written on the side. So, yeah. So but, yeah, she's a widow. She remains a widow for the next nine years. Mm. And this is until she meets a Dr. Leonard Louis Nicole Lalorie. Now, Dr. Lalorie is a handsome young doctor fresh off the boat from France. Mm. He's here to set up his own practice. He's going to make it big. He's going to do amazing things. It's all going to be great. He's going to make a name for himself, become famous. I'm going to be a doctor. Great. <laughs> 
I admire his enthusiasm. Yeah, I'm with him all the way. Yeah. Now, the two meet at various society events and things, and Lalaurie quickly becomes a regular at Delphine's gatherings. Delphine, now, who is in her late 30s at this point, so almost dead. Oh, really. oh, oh yeah, crusty. It's crusty, indeed. Now, she is entirely taken in by the attention of this young, young gent from France. He looked past all her wealth. Her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is not subtle in his attempts to seduce this highly influential, highly wealthy widow. Yeah. Uh, so, but everyone's going, ah, fine, fuck it, you go for it. Oh, absolutely. He turns up and goes, what level widow is she? Yeah, exactly. Level two widow. Level, That's level loads two. of money. Oh, bloody hell, bloody hell. <laughs> then scandal. Scandal hits New Orleans. Wonderful. Delphine falls pregnant. <gasps> but she is a widow. She's a widow. And she is unwed. She's unwed. Has and she's she pregnant. Pregnant? No. Miracles. Miracles. I'm sure she's just not swollen from infection. <laughs> no, she's very much pregnant. Shit. Yeah, indeed. Not good at all. Yeah, unmarried, pregnant. Oh, the socialites begin to gossip. What's going on there? Okay. How, how can Delphine, so long the queen of New Orleans society, have been so foolish as to let herself get in such a condition? Such a state. There is only one way to avoid absolute ruin and the downfall of everything she has built up. Okay. Really complete social ostracization. Delphine and Louis are married on the 12th of June, 1825. <laughs> only thing to be done. We've got to get married. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's, that's very much the fix-it-all solution that everyone had for many years. How pregnant is she? She's quite pregnant. Quite pregnant. The son is born before the ceremony. <laughs> So really pregnant. She just can just say, no, we're engaged. We're going to, to be married. He can yeah. contain himself. Yeah. But now she's married. She can go throw a huge party and you can be forgiven a lot for throwing a great party. Exactly. Yeah. Can we ask you about your, your pregnancy? Would you like this canopy? Would you like a lovely canopy? And a bottle of gin? Like, like a Ramos gin fizz? Oh, yeah. oh, yes, there we are. <laughs> 50 years too early, but okay. Well, maybe the legend had passed on. <laughs> you don't know. Okay. Well, that's the thing with high society. It's like we always go, like, oh, the scandal, the scandal, the scandal of being pregnant, being pregnant out of wedlock. Just marry someone vaguely, yeah, throw just, a big party. No one's got no, a exactly. problem No, they're, exactly. They're married now. It's all fine. Yeah. So it's all fine. And they're like, you have to play by the rules a little yeah. bit, but otherwise we really Otherwise we don't care, absolutely. <laughs> now the doctor uses Delphine's, now Madame Delphine Lalaurie, to set up his medical practice. It requires a huge effort for him to build up his reputation in this new city, especially as he is reputedly a dreadful doctor. <laughs> absolutely awful all that enthusiasm <laughs> from coming across the boat yes i'm gonna make a name for myself yeah. what is a foot yeah he's now realized that this is why he has traveled across the other side of the world to set up a medical practice because <laughs> no one in france will have him uh, he is frequently away from home it would seem and this pair spent most of their time really apart i mean he's gotten out, out of delphine exactly what he wanted he's got he got he's a big got old money. pile of cash that he can set up his thing pursue his dreams i'm gonna be a doctor it's all very good now to fill Delphine's time, she takes on a new project herself. She purchases a property at 1140 Royal Street and proceeds to develop this huge corner plot into one of the most luxurious mansions in all of the city. It is a, a three-story building, comes with uh, attached slave quarters to the side. So they're not in the main property, but they're nearby when oh, you I mean, need them. That must be the height of sophistication. Oh, absolutely. I mean, God, all the, the mod cons, absolutely. Everything, <laughs> everything going on there. What kind of mod cons, Nick? Well, like a nice, in they've got like an indoor 
big old stove thing going on. <gasps> all the, the kitchens are really fancy. Oh, good lord! Yeah, absolutely. They've got all Ooh. sorts of stuff going on. There's gas indoor lighting. No more candles and any of that sort of stuff. Got gas lights on the wall. Bloody hell! It's right fancy. It is right fancy. It's quite fancy. They have one of those machines that wake you up with a cup of tea. <laughs> that I don't know if they're that fancy. No, is the machine called a slave? <laughs> yes, well, exactly. <laughs> the machine's called Bert. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when we've looked at other female killers um, like Bathory or Sochkova, there's there's always seems to be a bit of a, a trigger, a moment, something that twists them mm. and turns them into the sort of the monster that we all know and love Ooh. to this day. And it seems to be the same with Delphine. During her third marriage, things start to go awry and take a very nasty turn. Prior to this, she's been sweetness and love and delight. Now... Ugh. It's not going to go well. It is likely that Delphine's marriage to the Doctor is obviously one of absolute necessity. There is no... Well, whatever affection was there has long since waned, really. It was a infatuation to begin with. This younger gent seemed interested in her. She was an older older woman and he was like, all very exciting. Had to get married, otherwise a scandal and horror. Now it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, what am I going to do? Well, it seems like he's off trying to make his own name for himself. He's got to have his own, trying to have his own business. And this young, sexy man doesn't actually mm. want to hang out with her yeah. that much. Abs- and absolutely. N- not hosting all of society. Yeah. Now there are growing reports of screaming arguments um, and mm. fights out of the Lonnery Mansion. Now some there are, again, some reports that Leonard has started keeping mistresses around town, using Delphine's money to fund his extracurricular activities and, and keep these women. When he is confronted about these infidelities, he becomes violent towards Delphine, accusing her of trapping him into marriage with this pregnancy. It's her fault that we had to get married. You were the one who fell pregnant. It's entirely your fault. We had to marry. I don't want to be here. That's why I'm off with all my women. Yeah, I'm off with all these women. Also, can I have five pounds? Can I have five pounds for the bus, Many, please? many dollars. <laughs> As a result of this harsh treatment that she experiences from, from her husband, she then starts taking out her own frustrations on the slaves in the house, those who cannot fight back. In 1832, Delphine actually petitions the court for a separation, claiming that her husband has rendered their living together unsupportable. And in the presence of many witnesses, he beat and wounded her in the most outrageous and cruel manner. They separated for a time, but no divorce is coming. They, they are not able to separate. And eventually the doctor does move back to Royal Street, but the damage has been done here. Mm. Delphine becomes deeply, deeply paranoid that everyone in town is talking about her, talking about the problems she's experienced, which surprise they probably were. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the gossip runs rife in these sort of these situations. She becomes a much harder and sterner and unpleasant person to be around really at home she's convinced that all her slaves are plot they're either plotting against her they're telling her secrets to to everyone else in town they're gossiping behind her back everyone is having a good old laugh over poor old delphine and that's gonna quietly drive you mad exactly and exactly what it does her punishments become more and more severe um for the staff in the house she starts Mm. carrying a whip with her in the house so she can take instant action whenever something goes even the slightest bit awry rumors begin to circulate once more about screams and cries coming from her home late at night others say that they would see a particular slave in the house for a short time then they would just disappear now, when Delphine has asked about this, and she simply dismisses such chatter, um, why shouldn't she do 
what she wants with her slaves. She's got mm. other properties around town. She's got plantations. If she wants to send someone elsewhere to, to work at somewhere else, it's none of their business, none of your business. I can yeah. do what I like with my property. In fairness, she can. I mean, it's it would be lovely if more people were asking questions at the time. It's probably more gossipy people going like, oh, what's happened to your yeah. slaves? They don't really actually care. On one occasion, a 12-year-old girl, Leah, she is brushing Delphine's hair and the brush catches in a snag and pulls Delphine's hair. Now, Delphine flies into a rage at this at this pain caused and she grabs for her whip. Now, Leah, well aware of what is coming her way, she runs from the room. Now, a screaming Delphine chases the girl through the house and they end up on the roof where oh. Leah jumps or she is pushed, we do not know, into the courtyard three stories below. Oh. Now, that night, Delphine is witness burying a body in the mansion's grounds. And the authorities are, in fact, alerted. Someone has been buried in the grounds. Well, it was a $300 fine for that. Oh, God. $300 fine. And you have to sell nine of your other slaves, which the next day she bought back. Oh, a child has run up to the roof. Yep. Child has died. Jumped or thrown. Being buried. Being buried, supposedly in secret. Has been found out. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. You need to pay the piper. All right, we need to... Yeah, there are severe consequences for mistreatment. Treating your slaves. Yes. That's $300, please. $300 is a lot at the time, but also it's not a human it's not life. A, it's not a lot for her either. Supposedly another slave throws himself out of a third story window, preferring death to the punishment that he thinks he will receive. And that window is still apparently cemented up to this day. Gossip flies around town. Uh, but there's there's one rumour that she keeps her 70-year-old cook is actually chained to the stove in the kitchen. So she, so she cannot leave. And so anytime Delphine wants something... The cook is there, ready to go. That doesn't seem logical. I mean, it's it a is. great, it's a great image. It is but what is said. That, that person would die very quickly. Well, she's got food and she's got water. Has she? Yeah, well, yeah, she's she's fed and she's fed and she's she's got access to drinking water and and things as much I think as anyone your else. Your mind would go pretty <laughs> well, quickly. Yeah. I don't think you're serving the best food <laughs> then and there. I think stuff is going to come out weird. So, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's another there's another set of rumors that go around that she keeps actually keeps secret slaves in her basement <gasps> for her husband to practice Haitian voodoo medicine Ooh. on. Now, this apparently is in an effort to revive his flagging medical practices. He's going slightly off piece from his training in France and getting yeah. into the more local customs. And it's also rumoured that Delphine is acquainted with Marie Laveau, the, who has become now become known as the voodoo queen of New Orleans. And it is Marie who has instructed Delphine and the doctor in the ways of voodoo. I firmly suspect this is all bollocks. <laughs> yes. This is utter nonsense. Because I think I... I've asked you in the past about Delphine and the automatic thing is like, oh, the voodoo thing. And then she's confused with the, Marie Laveau. Yeah, so they are contemporary of each other. They are contemporary. And to be honest, it may, it may well be that they did, they would have met each other. Yeah. Because Marie Laveau, she's a fascinating character in her own right. Yeah. And she, she's quite a... Um, a she, senior figure in society and things like that and she goes to these society parties and she she is actually a hair she runs a hair salon yeah. but for society ladies and yes. things like that so 
she may well have been known to Delphine. Mm. Um, I can't imagine they would have been friends. No. Um, but they may well have known each other. It does absolutely. seem like that's been mashed together. But that has been absolutely mashed together. But it's incredible these two women yeah. were contemporaries. They were contemporaries of each other. they're both fascinating in their yeah. own rights. And lived probably blocks apart. And I'm sure probably would have known of each other if not known each other. I'm sure but people it, would have known about Delphine. Yeah. And all of her crazy killing killingy of the snakes. But I, I don't think Marie Laveau was at the house teaching her husband voodoo tricks to help his medical practice so much no i think i think not should we have a wee drink time for a pause in the craziness i think it's time for a drink i think it's time for us to session hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It is the afternoon of the 10th of April, 1834. Okay. And suddenly a fire erupts from the kitchen of the LaLaurie Mansion. <gasps> Now, it's suspected that the fire is started by the cook, the one who was chained to the stove. But the flames quickly begin to spread out of control and throughout the service wing. Now, the fire spreads quickly into the mansion building proper. And it becomes obvious from the street that there are flames all over the place where there shouldn't be flames. (laughs) A crowd begins to gather. Yes, but there are flames. There are flames. There's not meant to be flames there. It's a burning building. This seems like fun. Someone get some toffee apples. (laughs) Now, the crowd is surprised to see that Delphine and her daughter were themselves dragging out valuables onto the streets there's not a slave in sight not a not a not a house servant in sight helping their mistresses evacuate from this burning building and certainly no onlookers either <laughs> yeah, well there's plenty of onlookers going oh that's weird but yeah um, eating popcorn uh, eating popcorn yeah we're struggling with that grand piano now there are a few who indeed go right okay we need to lend a hand here one of these people is judge jacques francois canoge now he is one of the volunteers who responds to the fire and he runs into this burning building now he knows knows that some of the slaves have quarters up in the attic he goes up to make sure that it's empty that everyone has got out as he gets to the door he is stopped by louis the, the doctor dr louis now when the judge asks him to unlock the door um louis reportedly responds there are those who will be better employed if they would attend to their own personal affairs instead of officiously intermeddling with the concerns of other people <laughs> he gets swiftly pushed out of the way 
The judge goes, the building is on fire. Fire, mate. That little speech, lovely. Also, you've wasted valuable oxygen. (laughs) And also, fuck off. Fuck off, exactly. (laughs) The doctor is is booted out of the way and the door (laughs) is broken down. I bet you that was the doctor later on saying that's what he said. He probably got two words out before the judge (laughs) knocked him down and went, I don't give a shit, mate. Shut up, man. (laughs) (laughs) But as the rescuers go up into Attic, they are horrified by what they what they find now the new orleans b the city newspaper sorry wait a minute let's just let's just linger on that the new the new orleans b the b b is it buzzing with news it's buzzing with news oh my god they describe the scene as follows seven slaves more or less horribly mutilated were seen suspended by the neck with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other language is powerless and inadequate to give a proper conception of the horror which a scene like this must have inspired we shall not attempt it but leave it rather to the reader's imagination to picture what it was now it was obviously terrible but also vague enough that people could really make up their own mind as what was up there what's going on it's it's a masterpiece in journalism mm. because this is enough for you to be really horrified but we'll let you make up the oh, rest yeah exactly well made you make up the worst thing that you can think of in your head that's what was up there good lord now i have seen american horror story coven yeah not all of it actually i need to finish it it's one of those it's where i go and it's brilliant it's one of the best but that scene has it's, never left me. Yeah, it's not pleasant. It is recreated in the series yeah. of Going Up and There Are the Slaves up yeah. there before they are discovered and set free or, or helped, no, just Delphine going and visiting them. Mm. But that that passage, not heard that before, and I'm thinking of far worse things than I saw on the screen. It's a brilliant bit of writing. It's a brilliant description. People do believe that seven slaves were found chained in the attic. They were on the edge of starvation. They were emaciated. They were weak from being chained up and locked away with with no food. They had wounds and scars from being beaten and whipped. And there is no doubt that people have suffered horrendous mistreatment and abuse at the Lullory Mansion. A book that is written in 19 1946 called the ghost stories of new orleans seems to be the first written account of many of the more horrific stories that surround madame laurie now in this book the author writes about how how slaves were found naked chained to the wall eyes gouged out fingernails removed others had their their mouths filled with their excrement and then their lips sewn shut there is an account of how one man had his intestines pulled out and wrapped around his waist there is not a single source from the time that corroborates any of this. When was that written? It was written in 1946. Interesting. There is absolutely nothing of the time that corroborates any of those yeah. stories. I will come back to this, and it's uh, it's a wild thing, but okay. I will come back to this. A later book written in 1998 goes on to make even more gruesome claims. Now, conveniently, the author of this book was also the operator of a New Orleans ghost tour um, <laughs> at the time, um, and yes, saw a big old bump in business when this book came out it's from this book that we get the story of the woman with her skin peeled off in a long circular pattern making her look like a caterpillar (gasps) the slave woman who had her limbs broken and reset into odd angles so she walked across the floor like a crab what that's taken into american horror story it is i I miss that yeah there are no credible sources for (laughs) any of this actually ever happened but they sell ghost tours you can say you can say what you like it is all 
bollocks. Who are you going to libel? Why would you go that far-fetched? Why not? Wouldn't more ghost tours do that, though? I mean, I've been on a fair few ghost walks. I've never heard stories like this. Mm. And you could say whatever you liked. Why with Delphine, why are there such ludicrously lurid stories? It had to come from something. Well, I mean, absolutely. They're based on this kernel of truth. These slaves were held in the attic and they were abused. Some of them, they were whipped so much it looked like they were flayed and things because they had been beaten and and whipped so so harshly. Such a horrific horrific thing. And also that newspaper didn't help. We're going to leave it up to your imagination as to what all the terrible things happened. There there were no written accounts of any of those things. Yep, there were seven people up there, emaciated. The spiked collars thing seems to be true. Um, They they were wearing wearing a collar so they can't can't look down and things like that. They've got to have their head held held up at all times and yes they were starved what is frustrating about books like that is that they actually take away from the actual suffering that people actually really did go through yeah was that not horrifying enough what the, to make up this story about a crab woman walking across the attic wouldn't that be hilarious uh, <laughs> like weird and creepy so, it's like no people were but being people killed. people yeah exactly things were actually horrifying the crowd is actually outraged at the the suffering of those they found in the attic and this is a crowd that is actually relatively comfortable with with slavery and things yeah. like that and for this to be to cause outrage, it must have been fairly horrendous to warrant such a reaction. Now, during the the chaos and seeing yeah, seeing the visceral reaction of the crowd, Delphine and Louis they take their carriage and they they flee. They escape the city. They go down to the docks and they board a schooner and they get over to Mobile in Alabama. They intend to lay low for a bit until things calm down. Then they'll come back. Oh, we're, we're sorry. Here's here's three hundred dollars. And we People won't do it again. I promise. The horrible, horrible People. Torture. Get over the horrible things, but things don't calm down. People don't get over it. No. And a few days later, on the fifteenth, a mob of nearly four thousand people storms the Lori Mansion nice. and actually just ransacks it. It is pretty much ripped to pieces. All there's left are the walls. Everything Brilliant. else is just trashed. That seems like we're outraged by this. Also, she's left a lot of nice stuff. Mm. We don't yeah. approve of I, any I, of I this. I'm a... taking her whole entire pots and pans set. Yeah, I think there's a fine line between a ransacking and looting the the lorry slaves they are taken to the authorities and they are meant to sort of recount their experiences but then also they are they're held in the local jail for people to come and see the oh. terrible things that have been done to them so if people don't believe what they're reading in the papers people don't believe these tales they can come and see it for their own eyes about the horrors from the lorry attic several weeks after the ransacking the new orleans advertiser writes that two of the rescued slaves has since died of their injuries. Adam, we understand that in digging in the yard, bodies have been disinterred, and the condemned well having been uncovered, others, particularly that of a child, were found. Now, realising it is entirely impossible for her now to return to New Orleans, there's no way she's getting back into society, getting back her old position. Delphine, she leaves Alabama and she makes her way to France. Oh. And she ends up in Paris. Okay. Still with a sizable amount of her, her fortune in, mm. in tow. And there she lives in comfort. It's not quite the, the place in society as once she was. She still lives a damn comfortable, oh, a comfortable yes. life in Paris. She's got servants and lovely apartments and all this. And she lives there for the rest of her days. The stories did not travel, did not follow her. And she lives there quite comfortably. She dies in France on December the 7th, 1842. Some people write about in a boar hunting accident Whoa, okay. <laughs> so she's out in the the, the forests in outside paris hunting, hunt, boar. hunting boar as you uh, and she yes and she is killed in in an accident what kind there. of accident oh, well we, we do not know 
We don't know. And she it's only some people horse, some people so. think it's yeah, she did she fall or fell off a horse? She fought or, onto a boar. Was she was she charged at by a boar or um. was she shot by someone accidentally? <laughs> 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 I thought you were a boar, Madame Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> you got a head blasted off. With her the... head's on the wall uh, yes. somewhere in France. Now, it is thought that after her death, her children actually arranged for her body to be returned to her beloved New Orleans. Mm. In the late 1930s, an old cracked copper plate is unearthed in the St. Louis Cemetery in New Orleans that reads Madame Lalaurie, Marie Delphine McCarty. But to this day, the remains of Madame Lalaurie have never been found. And that is her story. <gasps> a lot of a lot of bollocks, a lot of facts. <laughs> it's difficult to know where one begins and the other ends. Oh <laughs> my god, Delphine. <laughs> oh, great ah. story. I didn't know that we don't know what happened to her. No, no one knows. Some people think she's actually she did, yeah, she died in Paris and she's buried somewhere in Paris. Don't know where. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Other people think, yeah, she was spirited back to New Orleans and this was her grave marker. Or was it, did they just put a, a memorial type thing there with this plaque was put up just to yes. sort of memorialise her, but her body <laughs> remains elsewhere? No one knows. The few people memorialising yeah. her. Well, we're going to put this plaque. None of us condone this. Yeah. We're going to bury that under cover of darkness. Mm. What an incredibly mad woman. Uh, yeah. And a great story, as you said, that there are so many women that we've covered in the past and recently we've, we've done a little run mm. of... Of, uh, bitch women who beat the hell out of their servants but with her there's so much folklore there's so much exactly it, there's so much folklore so around much legend it. around her yes yeah, such legend that she is the most macabre figure and she absolutely did terrible terrible yes. things and was a murderer and tortured people but, but so did a lot of people back then so <laughs> did a lot of people well we don't you know we can we can say anything about mm. any of the people we've covered because really over the passage of time you can go we can write what the hell we want no one's going to check yeah. it even the cases that we've covered that actually have a lot of resources you still have people going well is there any actual evidence of this <laughs> like well actually yeah in this case there is with her it's going to be a lot of hearsay yeah. a lot of gossip from the locals she definitely did terrible things oh yes but this level of torture and those stories they had to have come from somewhere that's the thing i think they've that's... come from a, i think they're coming from a, a crazy imagination well if they did come from a crazy imagination why don't we hear this all the time with all of the murderers that we've covered some of the most fantastical and like you know really famous murderers why don't we have that why don't we have all of this strange macabre folklore that is associated with delphine with everyone else so that's what makes me think it's come from somewhere some people saw some terrible terribly yeah, weird shit i don't i don't i'm not sure about the weird shit that's the thing i'm not i'm not convinced mm. yes she did horrendous things absolutely were they were they not horrendous enough that they had to be embellished and made to seem much grander than they were so okay this, this, this isn't this isn't macabre enough this isn't seven um, slaves in the attic who are wearing spiked collars, mm. who are being like pinned to the wall. We don't have that a lot around there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she had really indulged up there Maybe. and had done terrible, terrible things to people. Maybe, I don't believe in the crab woman. I mean, there's another story that there were slaves found with holes cut in their head and wooden spoons that she used to stir their brains. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's possible. It's, but, I mean, it it's possible. And... The thing I was going to say earlier, and I'm going to say it now, and it's going to make us feel a bit shit. These things happened during the Holocaust. The most horrific 
unimaginable things were done to human beings than it is on record. Yeah, people just do because dreadful they could, things to each other. Because these are people in a position of power who saw human beings as nothing, has saw them as nothing but things to experiment on. And those reports, that's why you asked for the dates, is that you've just come out of a period of time yeah. where... Those things are fresh in the mind at that those point. Those things literally happened. Maybe everyone's going, well, if they happened then, it's absolutely reasonable that someone would have done that before. Not reasonable, but reasonable in the sense of like, yeah, it could have happened. As lurid as it sounds, and as indulgent as it sounds to kind of go, oh, let's like make a whole American horror story kind of scenario around it. It's very possible that she did do some really messed up stuff with those people it was enough that people were commenting on it well we will never know for sure Ooh, oh know. i think that documentary american horror story <laughs> proves a lot <laughs> oh. ah, again the women spurned women yeah women well, who are not getting enough attention people who were not people getting enough attention. Yeah. That's, not, that's not a nice house it's not a nice house i mean it's uh, it was really bizarre you read about it nicholas cage bought it Oh my god, he did! Because there was a mansion that exists, and it's now a museum and a tours and things. What, so and I was going to say, so it's it exists. You yeah, know it's, it's still there. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's open, but it's it's still it's still it still <laughs> exists. Still there, but it's still it's you. still there. Um, at one point, it was a museum. I don't know if it still is anymore. Yeah, but at one point, yeah, Nicholas Cage bought it. Then he was forced to sell it because he ran out of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then, um, then, then Nicholas Cage made all those weird films. So, mad, mad story of Delphine. Well, what do you think, people? Do you know the story of Delphine Lalaurie? Do you know more legends and more tales from New Orleans and from the area? Do you live locally? Do you know stuff that hasn't been covered by other people that is still whispered about in the streets today? Do you believe 100% of what Kathy Bates portrayed on American Horror Story? I know we keep referencing it. Yes, it's she, very, very she good. in fact was ahead for most she of her life. Was ahead she was ahead in the box. So. Also, can, we, can we shout out to Angela Bassett in oh, that absolutely. as well? Like, yeah. oh my God, oh my God, so good. I might have to watch that again now, possibly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's all watch that. The Axeman of New Orleans. Yeah, he's, he's in there as well. Great. Uh, great series. If you've seen it, just weigh in about how much you love that but yes what do you think of the story what do you think do you think there is truth in the really quite ludicrous stories that are shared but we have seen that these things can happen so do you buy it do you think yeah it's convenient to pin this on a woman yeah exactly I mean, she did dreadful things no question oh yeah are they quite as legendary as folklore will portray Tell us what you think. Jump on the comments of this episode of wherever you listen to it and any of the social media channels that you follow. Send us suggestions of more stories that we can cover. Please come and follow us on TikTok, on any social media channels and find us on Patreon where we have new episodes every single week. But most importantly... You must mix up if you have... If you've got a spare half an hour. Mix up a... A Ramos Gin Fizz. Because it's delicious. It's very good, but my God, it's hard work. Um, <laughs> so if you have small children who have a lot of energy, get them to shake it for hours. Shakey, shakey, shake. So yeah, yeah, the recipe and the detailed method will be out on Friday. If you can, give it a go. It's send delicious. Us, send us your pictures. I want to see how far you get your foam to rise. Way. Way. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's but a delicious it's, it's drink. Good. It's a good drink. It's a good drink. And it's a fun one to play around with. I would love to have had a second one. 
I couldn't have put you through that. I haven't got the strength. Normally, I'd be all over that for some sort of gym fitness thing, but I'm injured and uh, lazy as well. Mix it up if you can. Share videos. Share video. How high can you get the foam? (laughs) That's your challenge for the week. And please, if you haven't already, leave us a review on Apple iTunes and tell all your friends about the wonder that is the Poisoner's Cabinet. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember... Your loved ones are trying to kill you. Oh, yeah.